The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we start this episode of Bench with Bubba, a few things for you. The Listener League, it's filling up fast. Just leave a rating review on iTunes. Give me a little proof of that. And I'll get you on it. It's on Fantrax 15 teams. If we fill up one and there's room for more, we'll start another one. So get those in and, and add them. And then check out uh, the Fantasy Black Book. Lots of cool stuff going on there. I helped to write the catchers and the relief pitchers. Nine to ten great analysts breaking down all the positions, strategy, and much, much more. It's over on Amazon and iTunes. So check that out. But for now, Bench with Bubba, episode 242. Ben Palmer of PitcherList.com talking about the big blockbuster Mookie Betts trade, Jock Jam to the Angels, James Paxton's back injury, and then some great movie talk about baseball movies that led into long discussion after the recording and possibly a future podcast episode. So let me know if you like it because more stuff could be coming your way at Benched with Bubba. But for now, enjoy. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 242 got a recurring guest of the show to help us break down the blockbuster blockbuster of blockbusters mookie Betts, david price of the dodgers we got people going to the boston to minnesota we got a side trade to the angels all kinds of craziness and if that wasn't enough james paxton decides to get injured it's not even the season yet so we have all kinds of stuff to talk about here plus uh, some movies and other goodness but in order to break it all down, you can find his work at PitcherList.com. He's on Twitter at Ben J. Palmer. Ben, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was pretty intense uh, last night following everything. It just, like, all happened. And I was going to try and watch the State of the Union last night, and that did not happen. <laughs> no. Because there was just, I mean, just this gigantic, like, I felt like 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 Charlie putting together the Pepe Silva conspiracy. Like just trying to piece everything together, and I'm like, all these red strings are connecting. And like, wait, he's going here, and then there's mm-hmm. just it was, 
it was stressful. <laughs> it was it was it was crazy because it's like all these rumors are happening. We don't know what's going to happen, and then it's like okay, now the deal's happening. But all the different pieces of the deals took like a couple hours to come out. It was really confusing. Yeah. You, usually, it's like oh, okay, yeah. like here's the two sides, and they're done. But no, it was like just a slow process. And even this morning, all of a sudden, oh wait, the Jock Jock Jams deal isn't final. Ross Stripling's gone yeah. too. Yeah, 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 and then like last night, it was like, oh, Ken Rosenthal has part, one part of the details, and then like Jeff Passan's got another part, and then like Bob Nightingale's throwing in something, and you're just kind of like trying to piece them all together. Like, wait, wait, which is the which is the deal? And wait, there's a mystery third team, but also Jock's going to the Angels, so that's a fourth team. As I'm, yeah. like, it was, it was confusing. It was wild, and I'm sitting here going, I keep turning on MLB Network, and they're still playing the Sandlot. And I'm like, I love the Sandlot, but you know, we got more important things to talk about right now. Can we get this over with, please? So, yeah, yeah, so let's just get at it. We're gonna, we'll take it slow. We'll hit as many aspects of it as possible. I have a good feeling we're gonna forget something because there's so many moving parts Probably. here, not just the main names mentioned, like the guys that are getting play, uh, you know, playing time bumps, maybe getting taken off the field more. So on and so forth, but we'll start with the, with the, the Dodgers got. They get Mookie Betts. They get David Price from the Red Sox. They are eating half of David Price's contract. Betts will be there for one year. Now let's start with Mookie. Um, you know, going from Boston to LA, there's some park factor differences when it comes to fantasy. He's still like a top five player. But what's your thoughts on him going there? Because right now, roster resource has him leading off. You never know how that can change with Davey Roberts and company. But Betts to to LA is interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's kind of funny, like all the moving parts and the the fantasy outlook did not really change for Mookie Betts at all because like he was a top five guy before he got traded. And when he got traded, it's not like he's all of a sudden, you know, taking over Mike Trout or Ronald Acuna. Like he's he's still a top five guy. He's incredible. Yeah. Um he probably gets a bit of a boost being in uh what is going to be an incredible lineup especially most sense for Mookie to lead off but I mean he's he's he might have a slightly better season he's going to hit around 300 uh with at very least probably a 30 20 season potentially 30 30 and yeah he's going to be exactly what you're hoping for you just if you had a super early draft, uh, then you're hoping maybe he gets a few more runs in RBI. But I'd be shocked if he doesn't break 100 runs this year. Uh, probably hits like 130 or 740. Who knows? I mean, th- this lineup's absurd. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely crazy what's around him. And, and the lineup on roster resource, Betts, Muncy, Turner, Bellinger, Pollock, Seeger, Smith, Lux is batting eighth. Um, I'm not sure that's how it's going to all pan out and the season goes. Like, I could see Betts being second or third, you know, Pollock or or maybe Seager, even yeah. Lux leading off. Like, there's there's moving parts there. But like you said, he's going to be hitting towards the top of this order regardless. He's going to have some matches yeah. behind him. He's going to score a ton of runs. Um, I mean, he scored would, 135 runs last year. So, I mean, and he's in a better – he's probably in – would you say this is probably the best lineup he's been in his career? It's tough. Like I've heard that in a lot of places, and I'm not going to say it's not. But man, like you think last year he had Xander, Devers, JD. Like he's had a pretty good lineup there in Boston. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. I just do you think? Uh, so what do you think? Hundred hundred this year runs in RBI. He hasn't done that in two years. 
runs for sure. RBIs is going to be one of those. It could be because you could see Gavin Lux and those guys getting on in the back end of the lineup, and he can start driving oh, yeah. them in. I think if he hits like second, you can see more of a hundred hundred. Yeah, I I agree. So that could be interesting. And then I was talking to Dan Richards earlier. I'm writing a piece on the Dodgers aspect of this trade for Roto Baller. And I was talking to Dan because I was looking at the park factors and pull home runs and all these things. And we had this big conversation. It's interesting because you look at the overlays on baseball savant and it, it's almost identical to both stadiums. So then you look at like Alec Fast's work on pulled home runs and, and it, it's all pulled home runs, not just barreled and non-barreled. So it shows Boston is better than the Dodgers. Then you look at the pulled barreled home runs work that Dan Richards did and Boston struggles tremendously because of the monster. Because if you look at the launch angles on a barrel, they go right into the monster. And so you have to pop it up more. Um, right, so Dodger right. Stadium rates out better. But then Dan brought up a great point. And I'm going to get nerdy tonight when after this is done and go on to the baseball savant thing. And look oh, at please, the, please, the, please get nerdy with me. The spray chart. Yeah, don't. I'll put a rating on the, the podcast so people know. Um, but, <laughs> that alone got the little E rating. <laughs> exactly. But um, – he, he made a good point because, okay, so maybe it takes them away because you can check and see which ones hit the wall in Boston. Those would be home runs in L.A. But the shorter porch with the monster, those kind of weak fly balls where we always joke like, oh, that's a routine fly out in Petco or something. That's probably a fly ball out in, in L.A. So I almost think yeah. they wash. It's like it, it all ends up in the wash. And he's still a 30-plus you know, 30 home run bat. I think it's going to be great because now you get to picture he's going to play nine games in Coors. Um, he's going to face a bad Giants team, an okay Padres team. It's it's going to be real interesting seeing Mookie in LA. But I, like the the thing you started out with, when you look at this, all these players we're going to talk about, this is probably the least fantasy relevant move because he's still going to be awesome. <laughs> so, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it, he's going to be fantastic, and that's pretty much it. I think. Um, you know, if there's any kind of downside, if you want to nitpick, is he's going to have to play in places like uh, Oracle and Petco, yes. uh, as opposed to when he got to play in Camden Yards and Yankee Stadium. So, I mean, yeah, yeah but I still I feel like that's kind of being nitpicky. He's going to he's still going to be like uh, 30, 30 ceiling, 300. I mean, you know, he 2018 was that ceiling 30, 30, yep. 346. He could easily do that. He has Big that time. ability. Big time. And, and I, I was with you. I was like, okay, it stinks leaving those ballparks. But when you look at the work that uh, your guys at Pitcher List did, Dan and, and Alex, you look at what Max Freeze has done with earned home runs and what Eno did on park factors for hard drives yep. and what he's done because he pulls the ball so much, like 45% mm-hmm. or more, that pretty much there's no ballparks that's going to hurt him. And LA is one of the best ballparks for this. So, yeah, yeah. He'll, be just, he'll be just fine. It's going to yeah, be beautiful. I think, I, think he'll, I think he'll be you know what you hoped he was. Yep. But let's talk about the other interesting part coming to the Dodgers. David Price, going to be 35 this year. You know, last year kind of battled some injuries, played a full, a pretty full 2019, but injuries in 2008, or, or played a full 2018 injuries in 2017. Really up and down guy. But when he's pitched the last few years, still very good. The Sierras, the X tips are great. The strikeout rates are great. It's just a matter of how many innings does he go. With Price leaving, where I, I, I did some math here earlier today that um, in 2019, 10 of the 15 home runs he gave up were to the AL East. In 2018, 18 of the 25 home runs he gave up were to the AL East. I think he's going to be happy out of the AL East. Um, what's your take on David Price coming to the Dodgers? 
Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I do think that last year was really marred by injury. He had some elbow and wrist injuries, which um, on the one hand, you can kind of like dismiss. Oh, he had, you know, 4280 RA. It was an injury year. You can kind of dismiss it a little bit. But for a guy who's going to be 35, you don't like seeing elbow and wrist injuries. Mm-hmm. So his his um, other stats, you know, 4280 ERA, but a 362 FIP, 385 Sierra. Um, that kind of suggests that there's some positive regression, assuming he's healthy. And and it's easy to forget that coming into last year, he had nine straight seasons with an ERA under four. Uh, and there's definitely signs that the injuries were hurting him. His vertical release point was pretty low last year, actually lower than it's ever been, which oftentimes can be a sign of fatigue if it's, you know he's he's lowering his arm slot a little bit. So, you know, even even with that, though, he still has a really good changeup. It was a money pitch, 44.1% chase rate, 18.9% swing strike rate, which is fantastic. Uh, but it was a little hot and cold. It had a 360 Woba against it, a 266 ISO against, which is really bad. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he ends up doing. He also, last year, kind of stopped throwing his cutter as much as he used to. 2018, he started relying on his cutter a lot more. And it, it still wasn't a bad pitch last year. It had a 305 Woba against, which is not bad at all. So it'll be interesting to see what a healthy David Wright does, or David David Price does. <laughs> the Mets are still waiting to see what a healthy oh David Wright does. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Yep. Oh, man, that was a throwback. Um, yep. But it'll be interesting to see if David Price is healthy, and that's a big if, then it'll be interesting to see what he ends up doing, how he tweaks his repertoire, uh, he's still got some good pitches. He can still pitch well. So, you know, and playing in the NL is good for pitchers, generally, especially moving out of the AL East. So I'm interested to see. He's he's a guy who, you know, his ADP right now is 189. I'm fine taking a chance on him there because we know he has the potential to be a really solid starting pitcher if he's healthy. So I'm not sure. It's It's going to be – it's kind of risky – but given that his ADP is uh, as low as it is, that kind of mitigates the risk a little bit for me. It, it definitely mitigates it a bit. Um, you know, you look at the ATC projections, they have him for like 148 innings, I believe, yeah, 148, steamer 155. Um, when you look at the ATC projections, other pitchers going on about 148 innings. Andrew Heaney is, is right next to him, and they're getting drafted just a couple picks apart. When you're looking at price, you know, the move – should be beneficial, like you said, coming to uh, the National League. Would you take him over against Andrew Heaney? I think I – that's a good question because I generally do like Andrew Heaney. I think I would because I have a little bit more faith in David Price. Uh, Heaney, Heaney's got some great stuff, uh, but he just – the injuries have been just such such a problem for him. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's close though. It's close. I could I could easily go either way on them, mm-hmm. but I I kind of lean Price there. But another thing that does kind of worry me with Price is that he's a starting pitcher in the Dodgers rotation. Mm-hmm. Big time. So who knows? Especially if he's dealing with some like kind of injury things, who knows how they mess around with him? They've got so many guys. I mean, you know, they're probably going to want to get Dustin May in the rotation mm-hmm. at some point. They've got Julio Urias. Uh, you know, they've, they've got other guys who can take his place. So I don't think he ends up as a bullpen arm, 
But I could also see the Dodgers kind of goofing around with him, and that is always a massive headache whenever you got a pitcher as a case of Dodgeritis. Big it time. always a massive headache. So that is something to consider. It's, it's, there's a lot of unknowns with him, yep. really. And uh, there's, a, there's a good potential, though. So I, it's, kind of, it's a risk I'm worth, I think is worth taking over some of the other guys in that same area. I'm with you. Like at, at his draft price right now, um, I, I like the the upside there. It's one of those where he's not your like top two or three starters. He's probably your fifth or sixth starter, a guy you don't yeah. have to pitch all the time. Uh, if he gives you 150 pretty good innings, they're going to be usually pretty good innings with David Price. Um, another yeah. comparison, a guy going like nine picks later, David Price, or let's just let's just assume David Price is going 150 innings. David Price or Marcus Stroman. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, you know, I might actually go Stroman there. He, I really like what he did with his slider last year. It was a really good pitch. It's one of the one of the best sliders, one of the five best sliders actually by Pval in all of baseball. Uh, so yeah, I think I would. I think I would go Stroman there. Um, yeah, I, I trust his command. I trust his stuff. I don't. I trust that he's probably not going to get. His injury risk is is lower than Price, so I might I might actually lean Stroman there. Um, I also might. I was looking at Price's ADP. The pitcher going right after Price is Lance McCullers, and I actually think I would take McCullers. But I'm also I've also been a big McCullers fan for a while. I just I just love McCullers' potential, but there's obviously also injury risk with him too. Yeah, I'm a big McCullers fan. Uh, since you you've probably looked into him a little more than I have this year, obviously coming back from injury. Um, concerns on the innings. How, how many innings do you think we get with McCullers this year? That's a really good question. Um, I would say I, I could see 120 to 140, mm-hmm. that range. Maybe it's yeah. a little optimistic, but yeah, maybe like we'll split the difference, say 130-ish. I could see okay. Yeah, one one twenty's always been kind of on my top of my on my head. Thinking of McCullers, yeah. if you can get one forty, then yeah, I'm all about this draft price all day long. Yeah. So um, that because that curveball is just pure filth. Maybe that's oh, why you had Tommy John surgery. Yeah. But yes, yeah, it, it's amazing. Well, yeah, and I think, and this is this is just me going off of old research that I heard about a long time ago. So I could be wrong, but generally speaking, if I remember correctly, guys coming back from Tommy John surgery um, usually fare pretty well the year they return okay uh not 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 um sorry not like quality like era wise just like their their arms are are okay they're not like uh, limping into the season so i think he should be okay he probably will uh be on a bit of an innings limit but yeah i mean if he gets 130 innings i'm perfectly happy with mccullers overprice all right, we'll come back to the Dodgers rotation after we talk about all these deals because we have so many moving Dodger pieces on the starting pitcher front, and we'll get a full kind of idea of what we think will happen after all those moves. The last move for the Dodgers, and this is a really small one. This could be like just, I don't care. You can just give me that answer. Um, Luis Ringifo comes over in the deal, and I want to bring him up just for the fact that he was kind of a, not a high, like a real top prospect, but a higher-end prospect for the Angels. Got a little, you know, cup of coffee last year with them. Speed, batting average, kind of a Luis Arias type maybe with a little more speed is what I see with Rangifo. Yeah. Could be totally wrong, but he's going to play super utility for these guys. Um, 
probably not draft day viable for you, but do you see a world in which you could um, envision, say, he gets a starting gig he's worth owning in a league at some point this season? Oh yeah, I mean, I I could definitely see that. The guy has shown in the minors that he could be like a you know a thirty plus steal guy. He's definitely got great speed. Uh, he's he's got a, a decent, a pretty solid hit tool. I mean, in Triple uh, A in uh, twenty eighteen, only forty six games, but an eleven point four percent walk rate, which I love. He had you know a couple years of some double walk rates. So not a guy who strikes out a ton. Can, can has a pretty decent hit tool and some really good speed. A tiny bit of power. Yeah, he's a guy. I don't think he's someone you're thinking about this year, but I think he's someone you know to pay attention to if he starts getting a consistent starting gig. You know, I could easily see him being a guy who's really useful to you. It, like, gets a multi-position eligibility thing and becomes super useful to someone in like a twelve to fourteen team league. Uh, so he's just someone to keep an eye on. He's he's interesting. He's definitely interesting. Not a massive. Uh, part of the deal, but he's he's only 23 years old and and definitely has some talent. Yeah, that's why I just wanted to bring him up because I think I even used him in a dynasty league at one point last year, like a 20 team dynasty league when he was up playing with the Angels. He was in my lineup because you got to do those kind of things. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, exactly. There there is a little bit of talent there that I wanted to bring to people's mind. Okay, the Twins. The Twins were the mystery team. This is what's cool about this trade. Yeah. These are three really good teams, like playoff teams that that made this deal, which is rare to see with all the in, in baseball these days. But Kenta Maeda, gonna be thirty two. The dude is amazing. Like his stuff is filthy. I know you put videos out. The, Do- the Dodgers love to toy with his time because they get paid yes. more if he pitches more innings, and they do it every yep. stinking year. Now I the know. Twins, we've seen it in the past, they don't do this. Like they they even even when Philip Hughes. Missed it by an inning. They still paid him. Like, they don't care about these things. Now that he's going to slot into the rotation, looks like third in the rotation, knock on wood, we get free reign of Kenta Maeda this year. What's your thoughts? Because I know there's a lot of us that are excited about this. Oh, I'm definitely excited about um, what he might end up doing. And and the Twins need him. I mean, their rotation is not great. I mean, they've got Barrios, they've got Odorizzi, they now have Maeda, and then they have, like, what, Homer Bailey? Like... It, it gets a little ugly, uh, kind of quickly there. So they're gonna, and they have Rich Hill, uh, whenever he's and, healthy, and Michael Pineda whenever he comes back, and Pineda whenever, yeah, he's got the suspension. From a suspension, so, yeah, yeah. So I mean, they, but I think they need Maeda, and so I think they're gonna give him innings. I uh, and yeah, I agree. Maeda's stuff is filthy. The thing with the thing with Maeda is that he has a fantastic changeup. Of uh, like that had forty seven point six percent chase rate and a nineteen point three percent swing and strike weight rate, which is filthy. He has an also filthy slider, forty one point eight percent chase rate and a twenty one point eight percent swing and strike rate. Both of those are amazing. His fastball is not good at all. <laughs> fastball has a three eighty six woba against and a two forty one ISO against. It averages just like ninety two. It's just not a very impressive fastball. And it's his most used pitch. And that, I think, is kind of key to why he has had an ERA over four. And I mean, and even last year, he had a 406 Sierra. So, you know, it's not like he got super, super unlucky. And I think the problem is that he has a terrible fastball. Uh, not terrible. It's not a good fastball. And, and he has two filthy off-speed pitches. So if he's able to rein in that fastball some... 
then he could be really, really good because he has the strikeout stuff to do it. So I'm interested to see what he's going to end up doing. You know, it's always interesting to see guys go to a new pitching coach and see, you know, what, what a new system can kind of teach them. And if the Twins are able to rein in Maeda's fastball a bit, it doesn't even have to be a great fastball, but just a, a decent fastball that's not giving up a 200-plus ISO, then, yeah, he could be really, really good. Uh, for now, I feel like he's a guy who's going to have a high-ish ERA, like an ERA probably around four is probably what I'm expecting, three, three eight to four, and 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 good strikeout numbers. So uh, with obviously potential for even better. So I think that's what you have to expect from him drafting, but just know obviously that there is a very good ceiling there. And that's what I'm super excited about. I'm, I'm really excited about his potential. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this. Uh, since January 15th in the online drafts, pick 186, directly in front of him is Jake Odorizzi. Would you rather have Maeda or Odorizzi? I'll take Maeda over Odorizzi. I just I like Maeda's strikeout stuff better, and I think their ERA is probably a wash, roughly. So yeah, I'll take I'll take Maeda there just because of the potential. What about Maeda or Mike Miner? I will still take Maeda. I think I think again, Mike Miner's probably got a ERA around four ish. Uh, so the ERA is basically a wash, and I think Maeda's got better strikeout stuff. Miner basically has a really good changeup, and that's it. So <laughs> and and he makes a lot of he makes his money on that changeup. That changeup gets whiffed a lot, it gets chased a lot, and it's great. But Maeda, I I trust his stuff a bit more. What about uh, Maeda or Herman Marquez? Ooh, um, I still might go Maeda there just because Marquez scares me. He he introduced this. Yeah, well, Coursefield obviously is scary. And then he two years ago, he introduces this new slider that's a, this fantastic pitch and propels him to sort of this mini breakout. And then last year, he just kind of loses that slider. Mm-hmm. And that kind of scares me because he, he's always had a good curveball, but having adding that really good slider really uh, helped him a lot. So losing that last year, plus pitching in cores, again, he's a guy I think probably has an ERA close to four, around four-ish. And I just I like Maeda's potential more than I like Marquez. All right, let's keep having fun with this because that's a 15-pick uh, <laughs> jump already. I, I love doing this. Uh, Maeda or Matt Boyd? I'm going to go Matt Boyd there. Okay. I am a, I'm we a, found the I'm wall. A, yeah, I'm a hashtag Boyd boy for life. Oh, I think uh, we talked about that last time. I think, yeah, you're <laughs> Probably. Probably, yeah. Uh, Boyd Boyd is uh, – he's got that amazing slider, and he's really been working. There was a great article on The Athletic, and, and I wish I remember who wrote it. I believe it's Eno. Uh, it might, I I might have been Eno. I think, yeah, I think yeah, it was Eno. Because I heard Eno talking um, about rates and barrels. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, so I think it actually, yeah, it was Eno. And and just Boyd has been really tweaking his stuff and working. So I, he's already got that slider as a base, that uh, incredible slider. So if he's able to improve beyond that, I'm I'm super psyched for that. So yeah, I think I would go Boyd over Maeda. All right, now let's go to the Red Sox side of this thing the, the third piece of the puzzle here and the big piece they got well they got a couple of good young players but the big piece Alex Verdugo comes from the Dodgers 
to play outfield for the Red Sox. Roster Resource has him leading off, which could be sneaky nice. Um, yeah. He could also move around, but if he's leading off, that's got to be some really, really nice fantasy value. Uh, what's your thoughts on Verdugo heading to Boston and pl- most likely playing every day now instead of being blocked in the outfield? Yeah, I, I can't imagine he wouldn't play every day. Um, and seeing him lead off, I think that's definitely possible given uh, how good his hit tool is. So And playing in Fenway, playing in the AL East. Mm-hmm. Sounds great to me. Uh, yeah, he was he was pretty solid uh, last year. He had about 100, 106 games, hit 293, had a 288 uh, expected batting average, 331 ex-WOBA. So he's a solid hitter. He kind of strikes me as a guy who probably hits in like the 290s with 20-ish home runs uh, and a couple steals. So kind of like basically what Jorge Polanco was last year mm-hmm. is kind of what I'm thinking. So... I kind of with probably I don't know RBI is probably a bit well no the Twins lineup is pretty solid so yeah I I would say probably his comp he's on the Red be, Sox yeah, yeah 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 he's taking the bet spot yeah 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 so yeah I think yeah I think um Jorge Polanco's year last year is kind of the comp I was thinking oh about. gotcha gotcha yeah yeah the Twins offense didn't stink either so yeah good point there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was thinking the the difference in run RBI numbers but I I don't gotcha. think it'd be massive. Yeah, and for those that use the projections on fan graphs, they are not updated yet. Those will take a few days. For those that listen to the ATC show, he said yeah. it's, you know, during the month of later February to March, he updates it like twice a week. Right now, it's kind of wait and see things. So w- looking at the, the projections right now, not there yet. But even previous to this, 124 games, 15 homers, five steals, 294 is what Ariel had him at. Now, if you up that to like, say, 145, 150 games, then there you are, like 20 homers. Closing in on like eight to ten steals, hitting two ninety ish, two two ninety to three hundred, probably eighty to one hundred runs. That's an outstanding number, especially when you look at his ADP right now. And this is obviously going to go up, but he's a sixtieth outfielder yeah. off the board, pick two thirty eight. Um, he's going to be very very good because there's guys in front of him: Justin Upton, McCutcheon, guys we like, Abyssal Garcia, Adam Eaton. I could see him jumping a lot of these people, a because of the hype train, Red Sox, new yeah. toy. But you also have to give it to him. If he's playing every day, he deserves to be up a little bit. Oh, I think he I think he should jump most of those guys. He should definitely jump, you know, Eaton. Uh Upton. I'm personally kinda high on Upton, so So am I. But yeah, yeah. But um but yeah, no, I think he definitely should jump those guys. I mean, if he's hitting like, you know, two nineties with twenty home runs and, and a and a few steals, he's a he's a nice, well rounded player. He's not going to uh, win you your league but he's he's a solid contributor so yeah like, yeah yeah like here's a guy like i said he's going 238 a guy going to pick 200 so like almost two and a half rounds before him leading off for the pirates brian reynolds would you rather have reynolds or verdugo um i would ooh, that's pretty close actually because i feel like they're gonna have similar seasons yep I feel like they're almost identical players because, like, my my thought for Reynolds is a two nineties guy, batting average with, machine. Oh, yep. Yeah, batting average machine with almost twenty home runs. I think Verdugo's got better power, mm-hmm. so and is in a better lineup. So I might lean Verdugo there, but it's a coin flip, basically. Yeah, it's kind of like looking at ADP right now. It's kind of where I I see him sliding up to is maybe there. Couple picks before him, you have Lorenzo Kane, who could be for a bounce back season, or yeah. people might think he's getting old. I could see a comparison there, possibly. Um, then, then it's just kind of name value stuff ahead of him, which 
Well, how about this? Okay. You know, every year people go back to the well. Would you rather have Alex Verdugo leading off for the Boston Red Sox or roll the dice and pick 161, so like 70 picks earlier on Byron Buxton? I had a feeling you were going to say Byron Buxton. <laughs> I uh, I have a I have a complicated relationship with Brian. I Byron think Buxton. that I think that sums up like eighty percent of us. <laughs> I oh I I was so I've been so pro Byron Buxton so many years and he has burned me so much. Yep. I think ugh, I might say I feel gross saying it I might still say Buxton just because of the steals I mean steals are so valuable and even if he hits like 260 again he's he's a 25 30 steal guy if he's healthy Mm -hmm. so but then the health is an issue I don't know that's 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 a tough tough one that's a decision I don't want to have to make in a (laughs) that's that's what when I'm looking at that that's when I go oh draft a closer <laughs> exactly <laughs> i don't want to make that choice yeah i'm with you there that's a that's a tough one because byron buxton it's just like you said you start breaking it down in your head you're like oh the talent oh he does this oh, he does yeah. this i mean the talent's absurd he's he's you know a 2020 if he's healthy he's 2020 batting in the 260s which is great but i mean the health is not something you can assume at all He's had he's at 2016. He played 92 games. 2017, 140. 2018, 28 games. Last year, 87 games. You know you can't assume the health at all, but the talent, the raw talent, is there, and it's just so frustrating that mm-hmm. it never translates into result. I'm I'm trying to think of who's the prospect that you remember that just had so much, all the talent in the world and just could not put it together. His name is Byron Buxton. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> aside, from, aside from Buxton, I'm trying to think of a guy in the past who was just like like hot stuff. People loved. I mean, the pitcher equivalent that comes to mind for me, and it's just because I endured so much of his pitching, was Brian Mattis. Yeah, where everyone one. just was in love with him. You know, it was Steven Strasburg and Brian Mattis, the two best pitching prospects in baseball, and and Mattis was just hot trash for so long but i don't know buxton just has those raw tools and i just i'm dying for him to put it together but i've i've grown so cynical i've just kind of like <laughs> given up and just you know hurt me again byron buxton i'll draft you <laughs> uh, i'm with you man i'm with you it's tough it's, that's why when i was scrolling through the names i saw how high he's still getting picked it's like you're not the only one it's like everyone's doing it <laughs> Uh, at I least know. it's not as bad as a couple years ago. I think he creeped into the top 100 a couple years ago. That was yeah, that was yeah, really dirty. Probably, and he was, was really... probably one of my bold predictions that he'll like win MVP or something stupid. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it happens. It happens. Um, the other piece the Red Sox got, Brewster Gratterall. This boy can pitch. He throws gas, oh heavy God. sink. Uh, he pitched about nine or nine to ten innings last year with the Twins. It's kind of up for debate. Like he wants to be a starter. People think he's best for the bullpen. Right now, roster resource doesn't have him pitching at all. But, you know, the, the Red Sox bullpen it was a disaster last year. It needs help. Uh, Brandon Workman pitched great uh, as a closer. He's going to start the year as the closer. But everyone says Gratterall's got the closing type stuff. Like I said, not on the roster right now. But that could change through spring. What's your thoughts on this kid? Because dynasty-wise, he's probably a must-own. But what, what do you think about oh, him? Oh, yeah. I, I love it. He looks like he's so much fun to watch uh, because that sinker that he has is just disgusting. I mean, it is, it is, you know, 
pitching ninja puke emojis. Like it is amazing. It's a hundred miles an hour, 101 miles an hour. It's got incredible movement on it. He's got a nice slider that complements it as well. But the thing is, is like, that's all he's got. He's got this incredible sinker. He's got this very good slider. He's thrown a change up. He has it. He's kind of abandoned it, uh, but I don't see him as a starter no matter how much he wants to be a starter, unless he develops a third pitch. I, you can't, I'm about to say you can't be a two pitch pitcher. Chris Archer has made a living on being a two pitch pitcher, Yep. but it's, it's hard. I think to be a two pitch pitcher and be a successful starter, you can do it. Some guys have done it. Uh, you know, Matt Boyd is somewhat of a two pitch pitcher as well. Chris so, Paddock did it for a year. Chris Paddock. Absolutely. So there are examples and he can do it, but he just strikes me as a guy that like in limited action, he could just let loose and just throw that sinker 101 miles an hour for a full inning and just blow past guys. He strikes me as someone who could be a really, really good closer. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I that's That's what I see him as right now. He's had some control issues in the past a little bit here and there but honestly if you look at his minors numbers he's not walking guys left and right so yeah i i see him as i personally see him as a reliever but uh yeah he's not a uh he's i like that he is controlled you know a lot of times those guys who throw total gas they also you know the they're the the steve dalkowski's of the world if if you remember who steve dylan dylan cease (laughs) Dylan Cease, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the guys who just throw just 100 billion miles an hour, but also walk, a, a, you know, a ton of guys. Mm-hmm. But Greater All is kind of a little more restrained, and I like that. So, but yeah, I see him as a reliever. I think he's uh, going to be a good one. But unless he works on it, tweaks his repertoire, that's what I see him as. And, and, and something to think about with the way the new rules are changing, where you can't go batter to batter, he's got to come and face three batters. A guy like Gratterall can face righties and lefties because he just throws gas. So, oh yeah, that... he's going to blow by everybody. The yep. it's amazing. I don't know if you ever seen. There's a great um, documentary. We actually might talk about it later when we talk movies <laughs> called Fastball. I don't know if you ever seen it. No, but it kind of, it's it's a fantastic documentary about the fastball, and they kind of break down how how much less time you have when you as a batter. Uh, in your decision making when you're facing a 92 mile an hour fastball versus a 97 mile an hour fastball and it's it's a fraction of a second but it's so much decision it's it's like a blur when it's that fast so when you've got a guy who's throwing 101 100 miles an hour with the amount of movement that he has not even just a straight arrow guys are just swinging and hoping to hit something so it's yeah he can blow past anybody i think and it makes sense. I've heard guys talk about like when you throw a ninety five, like everyone can hit ninety five. When you get ninety seven plus, right. you're a game changer. Like right, they, they because, flat out admit that. Right. There's there's a great in this in this documentary. There's a great uh, diagram they show or slow motion they show two pitchers throwing a fastball at the same time. One is like a ninety seven. One's like a ninety five, and it shows when you are swinging at the uh, ninety five, the ninety sevens past you. And so you just have that much. It's a split second, but you're as a batter, you're you're operating entirely on instinct. Yep. And when you have even just a fraction of a second less time, 
that's that's the whole world and and it can be there's a bunch of interviews with guys who face a role as chapman and they're all like yeah it's it's like a blur i have no idea what's happening when i see that's that crazy pitch. and, and so when you have crazy. a guy like well, like get great or all it he can just blow right past people yeah we'll have to see how he keeps going up in drafts because right now since um the 15th he's gone in one draft he went to pick 352 so um <laughs> I'm not so certain I can take him just yet, but then again, nah, that's like the, he's, that's the, he's that's the a end dynasty. Game. Yeah, yeah, he's a dynasty guy for now. And then if the Red Sox call him up, you know, they need bullpen help or whatever, then yeah, go grab him and see what happens. But yeah, for now, he's he's a guy just a who is almost definitely already owned in dynasty. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, he should be gone a long time ago because there was rumors of him starting the year with the Twins this year, so he should be locked up and right, ready to go. Right. Exactly. Uh, let's talk Angels' side of this deal. The one that came out, like technically the fourth team, came out of nowhere. Um, it's more yeah. of a. It was more the Dodgers had to dump some salary because they picked up David Price and Mookie Betts, and um, you know the the, the Angels are going to benefit from this quite a bit. Uh, Jock Peterson, Jock Jams, heading to the Angels, going to be leading off with Trout behind him, Rendon, Otani, Upton. That one through five is a lot better than people thought it was oh, going to yeah. be. Oh, yeah. uh, this team's going to be pretty darn good. And, and, you know, Peterson crushes right-handed pitching. Lefty-lefty's a little different, but he can play first base, outfield. He can DH. There should be a lot of playing time in the works for uh, for Jock Jams. Do you like this move as much as I do? Oh, yeah, I love it. And and one of the things I really love, last year, uh, coming into last year, the Angels lowered their right field wall, mm-hmm. So uh, which, which helped Cole Calhoun okay. 33 home runs. And... Peterson, like he he's going to benefit from that. He is the Angel Stadium is good for left-handed power, and as we all know, because we've seen it a million times, the guy can annihilate the ball, and he pulls the ball a ton. He had a forty-nine percent pull rate last year. He pulls the ball constantly, and hitting an Angel Stadium that's going to be great for him. Uh, yeah, and like you said, he is still kind of a splits guy. Uh, he has a 137 weighted runs created plus against righties, but just a 32 weighted runs created plus against lefties. It's like night and day. He is great to have, I think, in daily leagues where you have daily lineups because you can play those matchups really easily. In weekly leagues, it's a little tougher. You just have to pay more attention to like, hey, he's facing four lefties this week, so bench him. But uh, I wonder if he's going to get platooned at all. Hope not. I hope he just gets the chance to just hit, like just be out there and hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he can crush the ball, and he's in a good place for it. Moving to the AL, so I'm I'm excited. And if he does lead off, like roster resource says he will, even better. Yeah, much much better. And I I hope they don't platoon him because my bugaboo. I said it many times on this show. Kids won't learn how to hit left-handed pitching if you don't let them hit left-handed exactly. pitching. Exactly. Like, let, exactly. Let trial by fire, people. Let's go. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah. and let's and let's think about it. You got Mike Trout behind you, so they're not going to pitch around him. I don't care if it's lefty on lefty. They're going to throw him pitches to hit because they don't want to walk him to get to Mike Trout. So um, right. I, I think it, I think it's a good opportunity with the addition of uh, Peterson here. You know, Tommy Lestello is supposed to play second base and outfield. He's probably regulated to second base. Are you still comfortable with Lestello? You know, he was a big player last year, got hurt. You know, people are talking about value this year in drafts. Do you have any thoughts on Listella uh, at all? I I still like Listella. I think um he he's a he's a deeper league guy. I actually had somebody um DM me on Twitter and asked uh if I thought I would if I would rather have Listella or if I would rather have uh Scott Kingery 
And I kind of lean towards Listella there um, just because I I have more... Uh, Kingery, I think, has more power. But uh, Listella, he's got a good... He's a good hitter. He, he gets, hits for a good batting average. I think he's... Uh, there's some playing time concerns, I think, with Kingery as well because Alec Bohm is... Um, or no, actually, you know, it was, oh my God, I'm lying to you. It was not Listella. It was Tommy Edmond. Yeah, my apologies. That's more of a, yeah, that comparison. My makes apologies. Me, yes. uh, no but still, still, Listella, I like. He, yeah. uh, he's a solid hitter. Like I said, deep, deeper league guy, uh, good batting average, decent power. You know, he's not, he's not going to light things up for you, but. Yeah, he's he's fine. He's a guy I had in a dynasty league. I've got a sixteen team dynasty league, and I think that's that's perfect for him. Yeah, I was a bigger fan with him leading it off. I still don't mind him because he's going basically free. So if you need a middle infield option late, right, knock exactly. yourself out. Um I think the guy that it affects most is a lot of people are excited about him. First Rendon shows up to affect him, and then this move, that was David Fletcher. Like people were you know raving about his, his stat cast data. He's gonna play third base or maybe play some outfield. Now he's regulated to the bench unless he's going to platoon at all. He's pretty much unownable for me. Uh, do you have any quick thoughts on David Fletcher? I agree. Uh, unless he's platooned, yeah. I, I even if he's platooned, I, you know, I, he'd be hard to own. Uh, he's another guy where it's like super, super deep leagues. But but Fletcher's honestly Fletcher's Statcast data is is pretty trashy. Like it's terrible. Mm-hmm. He had last year. Fletcher had a 04 percent barrel rate. Yeah, it went big time. Like, like he had like, a stretch where he was crushing it, and then it just went boom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had so two ninety average and a three hundred two ex, uh, expected batting average, which is great. But it, that he's one of those. He's um what uh oh I I wish I remember who coined the term, but there was a uh, someone at Pitchless who coined the term. He's a bag of chips, which is he, <laughs> he looks nice, but when you open it up, is mostly air. That's awesome. And like the, the, yeah, like the a, phrases at Pitcherlist are amazing. <laughs> I, I wish I want to say that was Dave Sherman, but I don't remember. But yeah, it was like a 300 average. Oh, sweet, that looks good. But when you look into it, there's just there's nothing there. Uh, that's so funny. Okay, uh, let's go to I think the most important outside of Kenta Maeda, maybe Jock Peterson and Verdugo. Those are big fantasy reactions. Ross Stripling, free the Ross Stripling. Like when Maeda Finally. got traded, I thought we already got one gift. Then we find out this morning Ross Stripling's getting traded to the Angels to join the rotation of Tehran, Heaney, Bundy, Canning. Who knows when Otani gets there? It makes sense with these guys to, to use a six-man rotation. We might get a season of Ross Stripling, Ben. I sh- What's your thoughts on this? Because this could be just uh, – when we talk pure filth, he's got some. Friend of pitcher list, Ross Stripling. We yeah, that is correct. We got I, I forgot, I forgot the, the proper plug there. <laughs> yeah, we did. We got to interview him last year. It was cool. Yep, no, he's awesome. great. I love. I have loved Ross Stripling for a while now, and I'm just psyched that he is out of LA and no longer has Dodgeritis. Uh, he's had uh, a three seven five or lower Sierra each of the past three years with some really solid walk rates and good strikeout rates, which I love. He's got a nice curveball at a thirty five percent chase rate, thirteen point six percent swinging strike. 075 ISO against 192 Woba against. It's fantastic. It's it's this big hook that he throws from up high. I don't know. It's it's a weird arm angle, but he just it gets so much drop and it's it's a hammer. I love it. And he's also got a really nice change up, 44% chase rate, 17.8% swinging strike rate. 
So yeah, and, and he's got an okay fastball. I don't like 255 ISO against, which is not good uh, last year, but it's been workable in the past. It's a workable fastball. With guys like that, you don't have to have a dominant fastball. If you've got a fastball that can that can set up your other pitches, then you're fine. And he does. He has a fastball that can set up his curveball and change up nicely. And he's got he's got some good stuff. And if we get to see him pitch a full year in Minnesota, I or Minnesota, I'm sorry, oh my God, <laughs> Los Angeles, I would. Love that. I'm getting him and Maeda mixed up. I'm just yeah, so excited. Well, two, I'm just two so amazing excited. moves. Like we got two <laughs> new pitchers to like like not even walk by in drafts for once. It's amazing. Yes. I'm just um, so psyched Stripling is out of LA. I've been dying for him to get out of LA yes. for like three years. So yeah. So like this last year he threw ninety innings, year before one twenty two, seventy four, one hundred. Realistically, we think in one thirty, one forty, about right, innings pitch wise. Yeah, yeah, I think that sounds about right. He's had a, a couple injury problems here and there, but nothing that um, overly worries me. So, yeah, I think that sounds about right. Because I think a big thing is is they're going to use that six-man when Shohei comes back. They're yes. going to really milk that. Because, yeah, Heaney's always had issues. Uh, you got oh, Shohei. Yeah. Utilize these things. I think that we'll see that quite a bit. Um, Stripling's going to pick 297 right now in drafts. Would you rather have him or a guy going right behind him, Ronaldo Lopez? Oh, Stripling without a with without question. Yeah. Stripling or Steven Matz? Still Stripling. Okay. Stripling or Dylan Cease? I would still go Stripling, though I do like Cease. I like his stuff. I like his potential. Stripling or his teammate Dylan Bundy? <laughs> I would go Stripling, but I am a big Dylan Bundy fan this year. Fun fact about Dylan Bundy. So the money pitch classification we have a pitcher list 40% or higher chase 40% or higher zone rate 15% or higher swinging strike rate there were only two pitchers in all of baseball who had more than one money pitch those pitchers were Max Scherzer and Dylan Bundy wow and that's it end of that's list insane that's a list okay, just having those two on a list together I don't think anybody could predict it at it's any point in wild time. It's yep. wild, and the thing is, is his slider and his changeup, Bundy's slider and changeup, are amazing pitches. Yep. The problem, his fastball had the second worst p-val in all yeah. of baseball. His fastball is as good as a batting practice fastball. Oh, it oh, it was horrible. It was total yeah. trash. So if he's able, and part of it probably doesn't help that he was in Camden Yards, which is one of the most hitter-friendly yep. parks in baseball. It's like Coors Light. Uh, so if he's able to rein in that fastball even a little bit, he's got some stuff. I mean, he really, really does. So, and we've seen pitchers leave Baltimore before and go on to yep. win Cy Youngs, <clears throat> Jake Arrieta. So who knows? <laughs> I but like it, yeah, oh, I like him a lot too. I would still take Stripling. I trust him yeah. more. Now the Bundy thing's funny because last year when um, Toby and I started doing our Bubba in the Bat Flip series, we would go over like guys that you know are on the waiver wire or are coming off a couple good weeks or whatever, and I kept bringing up Dylan Bundy every week just because he hated it so much. But then he eventually he's like, <laughs> eventually he's like, you know what? You might be on something here because he started his pitch mix changed late in the season and he started pitching like he'd have like one blow up game, like three really good games. So he was kind of minimizing yeah. the Dylan Bundyness, and uh, I was like, oh man, now in LA this could be fun. Um, I know, yeah, I'm psyched about Bundy, and I'm sad to see him leave Baltimore because he's been a part of my Orioles fandom ever since he was drafted but I as as a fantasy player I'm psyched to see him I think he could be a really good value 
What about the Stripling or Dallas Keuchel? Um, I think I would go Stripling there because I like I like Stripling's uh, strikeout potential. Strikeout more. Upside, yeah, yeah. Uh, this this one's fun because we saw some changes towards the end of the season. And people are buying into it. You mentioned him earlier, Stripling or Chris Archer. Ooh, that actually that is a good one because Archer's got that strikeout upside too, and he pitches mm-hmm. in a good park. Yep. Um, I think I might go. I think I might still go Stripling there because oh. I have more faith. Ooh, that's tough. I so the thing is, is I'm a huge Stripling, Stripling fan. fan. But I yeah, I I always have been, and I just I have a little more faith that Stripling's going to keep his ERA under four. More okay, than I fair. do, uh, than I do Archer. I think Archer's got the better strikeout upside, for sure. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I have a little bit more faith in Stripling keeping the ERA muted. Uh, but yeah, the second half stuff for Archer is super interesting. The three hundred seven, or no, sorry, he he brought it three hundred seven walks per nine, which he brought down, which is really great up the strikeouts. So that's that is exciting. And I'm, you know, a three two nine FIP for the second half for Archer. So I'm definitely super interested in Archer. That one's a close one. That one's a close one for me. Yeah, that's about 20, 20 to twenty five pick difference. So I'll leave it at that. But it's just going to show you Stripling's going to be on the move, folks. So oh, uh, get sure. him now that while he's you can. Gig, yeah, yeah. And there's even names I passed over that don't even have jobs yet that people are drafting because of the flashy new toy. So yeah, yeah. Stripling should be on the move. Um, let's okay, let's go back to Dodgers now. I said we get back to the rotation. We'll get back to the outfield because there's a lot of moving pieces in this deal. Let's start with the outfield. With Betts showing up, Jock Jams is gone. Ver, Ver, Verdugo's gone. You know, at one point in time, we thought A.J. Pollock wouldn't have an everyday job. It looks like he's going to have an everyday job. Do you have any, you know, he can't stay healthy, but do you have any interest in yeah. a guy like A.J. Pollock? I, yeah, I mean, I have some interest. Obviously, he, you know, it was just two years ago that he had 20 home runs and 13 steals. He's, he's still got uh, a bit of speed and some good power. He's a guy I'm going to take later in drafts because, like you said, he can't stay healthy. And even if he does stay healthy, you know, is he 20 home runs and, like, 250, 260? Eh, okay. Like, that's, yeah. you know, is that – that's what – Eric Hosmer, you know, <laughs> yeah. Who, uh, hey, so. don't knock the Haas, no, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying there. Definitely. Uh, usually, the Dodgers love being the king of platoon, so that means like Kiki Hernandez, Chris Taylor. For me, they're pretty much not fantasy relevant anymore. Do you see any any way where they are fantasy relevant for you? In in super deep leagues, maybe. I mean, Hernandez Hernandez always seems to find a way to go on a hot streak or something like that. And he, he's a guy, actually, I I often end up featuring in my uh, hitters to start and avoid series that, or article that I do every Sunday because of his, his platoon splits. Uh, so, yeah, he usually ends up finding some kind of way to be sort of relevant. But him and Taylor, yeah, it, super, super deep leagues. I don't see him being relevant outside of that. All right, let's go to the Dodgers rotation now. Walker Buehler, no problem. He's going to be the guy. Um, you have Clayton Kershaw, who we should see get at least 150 innings, really good innings. We mentioned David Price, hopefully gets you 150 innings. They added Alex Wood. You got Julio Urias. 
Obviously, Dustin May's around. He said he wants to start the year in the rotation. He said he thought he was starting the year in the rotation. Then all this happened. Um, we still have Jimmy Nelson, who they signed. Right. How do you how do you see this playing out? Because I'm a big Dustin May fan, but I'm almost feeling like I have to pull back some fandom here because with this latest move, I find it interesting to see how he even gets regular pitching time. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers always seem to find a way to kind of make everybody unhappy by giving nobody enough innings to be fantasy relevant. <laughs> so true, um, so true. So, I don't know. I, I feel like they got, they're going to put Dustin May in there at some point. He looked really good last year Big time. when when he pitched. So, he, he doesn't have anything left to prove in the minors at all. Nope. So, I feel like they got to bring him out there, and I think they will. So, the question is, yeah, who comes out? Could you see... Kershaw getting injured? Could you see David Price getting injured? Could you see um, any of those guys getting injured? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Alex Wood? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's definitely going to be an opportunity for May to slot in at some point, especially if, you know, if someone like Wood or Price, whoever starts really struggling, Urias starts really struggling, I could easily see them being, look, we got other guys who are looking for a job pop him in. Uh, so yeah, as far as Jimmy Nelson goes, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> I, I've I always, think he's got to prove himself. It seems like I agree. I agree. I mean, he's, he's going to be a reliever for the most part, I would imagine, but I always, and he's probably going to be a guy who ends up getting a few spot starts here and there. I always have loved Jimmy Nelson. Jimmy Nelson is the prime reason that I argue that pitchers should not hit in baseball. <laughs> yeah. That, that sucks. Got injured. Uh, but yeah, I, I like Jimmy Nelson a lot. I don't think he's going to start much more than just a few starts here and there, unless something crazy happens. But as far as the rest of rotation, yeah, I mean, Kershaw for sure. Bueller for sure. Price. I'd be shocked if he's not starting. Wood's going to start the last spot. It's Urias or is it may? I think it goes Urias, but yeah, I I think they're going to find a way to jam may into the rotation because I I don't know what else they can do with him. Exactly, because right now May's going to pick 256. With the question marks in play, is he too rich for you right now? 256? I don't know. That's like the, the tail end of the draft. I, honestly, the way the way I usually approach drafts, when you're that late in a draft, you're, you're taking lottery tickets. Yes. And Dustin May is absolutely a lottery ticket because he could 100% pay off in a big way. Or it could be nothing, and the potential reward is absolutely worth that risk. There's no risk. He's a free agent, basically. So if nothing happens, nothing happens. It, you know, whatever. It's not a big deal. So, yeah, I, I'm not worried about picking him there. If you want to grab him there, go for it. Yeah, and you mentioned with the injuries, they also have four lefties out of their five starters, so I wouldn't be shocked if they mix and match a few things throughout yeah, the season sure. to, to do the resting and, and all that kind of good stuff. Cause David Roberts is good at that. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that plays out. All right. Any final thoughts on these trades? I think we, I think we covered pretty much everything. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we got everything. I, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was super exciting and I think it has a lot of really awesome fantasy impacts. I think probably I'm most excited about stripling and my Yep. Um, Peterson's going to definitely be fun to see and personally as an Orioles fan who uh hates the Red Sox with every fiber of his being <laughs> I'm very excited that I get to root for Mookie Betts because yeah. I've always loved Mookie since he was a since he was in the minors I've loved Mookie 
And now that he's on the Red Sox, I can really root for him, and I'm very excited about that. Yeah, um, I, I'm with you on Maeda and Stripling. Uh, I think those are the big winners. And now Jock's on my radar. Like, I wanted nothing to do with him when he was in the platoon world of the yeah, Dodgers. Yep. Now, now I'm much more interested in his draft price. And um, the way you're happy to root for Mookie, it stinks being a Giants fan. And I've said this a lot. Like, I love Bellinger. I can't hate Kershaw. Butler's amazing. They're getting all these people I can't even be mad at. It, like, it really, really stinks. I, I root for them to lose, but like, lose like 11 to 10. So it's fun. That's all I care about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, do you remember, that's, that's... Speaking, speaking of Peterson, I always think about this whenever we talk about Peterson. Do you remember all the hype around him in 2014 after that ridiculous AAA season he had? Oh, yeah. Big time. He went like 30 30, batting 300. I mean, it was Byron was... Buxton type hype. Oh, my God. I just remember like. That was like out of nowhere. And it's so weird to me that he stole so many bases in the minors and then just kind of didn't in the majors. Yeah, it was ever. weird. He stopped, stopped running. And then Bellinger's yeah. still running, so it's not like it's a team thing. Yeah, yeah, it's really bizarre. He was stealing like t- 2011, 24 bases, 26, 31, 30, and huh. then no more than six. Stopped. It's just it's bizarre. I kind of – I'd be interested to hear why Maybe Maybe, maybe he went full of Willie Mays Hayes in Major League 2 and he cared about the long <laughs> ball. He wasn't going to steal any more bags. Yeah, exactly. It could be that. <laughs> That's what he did. He showed up to camp and he said, uh, Coach, I hit the long ball now. We don't do yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you see my home yeah. run derby clips? This is what I do. So. <laughs> yeah, and he's definitely good at it. He's very good at it. Um, let's talk about the Yankees. You know, it breaks lots of hearts for many people. Probably another Orioles fan breaks your heart here. But uh, I was a big <laughs> fan of James Paxton and his, his asking price because if I can get 150 innings out of Paxton, I'm in. But uh, that's not happening now. As he had surgery on his back to remove a cyst uh, around one of his uh, discs, it's a procedure that they say can linger for a long time. It'll ease some of the pain, but some other pain's always going to be around. He's going to be out for three to four months. Um, they're they're hoping to have him back ready to roll sometime in May or June. So you're maybe getting half a season out of him, say a hundred innings, maybe 120 at the most. This is a massive hit. I can't draft James Paxton. What do you say? Me neither. I can't. I, uh, I, you know, desperately, desperately hate the Yankees, but I do love James Paxton yep. so much so that, like, when he went to the Yankees, I was so sad. Uh, and hearing this, it just it just sucks because I, yeah, I was a Paxton fan too, and hearing this, this is just this just screams to me a lost season. Like this is how, even when he comes back in June, it just sounds like this is going to linger. This is going to stick around and just be a gigantic thorn in his side all year. And I just, yeah, I, I can't draft him. I think he is draftable if you, you know, throw him in an IL spot or whatever. But for me personally, it's just, it's, I can't do it. It's too much of a headache. And I find I tend to, to dodge guys who are just going to be a pain to own yeah. no matter their value. I'm with you. I'm with you. I was hoping for some health. Now that there's the health risk, I'm just going to stay away take my lump somewhere else unless for some act of God, he falls so far and we'll see how it goes. But like NFBC, yeah. there's no IL makes it very complicated in those formats. Oh, yeah. yeah. When you look at the Yankee staff, you got Tanaka Cole Severino's coming back. I, I, this is just a fun question I've had, you know, he had his injuries. He pitched a little towards the end of last year. How many innings, if you just had to guess, do you think you get from Sevy this year? Oh, I'm actually, so I'm kind of, Nick Nick feels this way too. He's a huge he's huge into Severino this year, and I'm I'm kind of with him. I think you get a full season out of Severino. Really, I okay. really do. I think I think I think twenty five to thirty starts. 
is what I'm is what I'm expecting and hoping for. Nick has him ranked as a top fifteen pitcher. Uh, he has him actually, I think, at number thirteen, thirteenth ranked pitcher. You know, that's he's got the stuff to do it. He's got the talent to do it. I'm hopeful he can. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm I'm banking on like twenty five to thirty starts from him. That's what I'm. I'm a big Severino for. fan, so if he can give those starts, I'm a I like that quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, Ja Happ is the fourth, and then with Paxton leaving right now, roster resource has it, and it, it makes sense. He's going to be one of the two options. Jordan Montgomery, the lefty, might find his way back into the rotation. If not him, you might see Johnny Lasagna, one of the two. Uh, but I think Montgomery gets the first angle. If Montgomery, you know, spring training news comes out good, do you have any interest in the guy like Montgomery, fifth starter for the Yankees? Oh, yeah, I absolutely do. I I liked Montgomery. I've liked Montgomery in the past, and he's he's shown that he can be a good pitcher. I mean, 2017, he had a 3.88 ERA, uh, 22.2% strikeout rate, which is solid. Uh, even in the shortened 2018 and in a little bit of action, he looked good. He's a good pitcher. I'm, I'm a, I'm a Jormont fan. Uh, I think uh, Nick, well, what's Nick's nickname for him? The bear. I think he calls him the bear. And I wonder why. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious now. I'm going to have to ask no, no, Nick, no, no, why no, do you call him the bear? So if I remember right, it's one of those very dumb, complicated pitcher list <laughs> nicknames. No, because, they don't have those over there. No, no, we have none of those. Uh, <laughs> it's because Jormont came from, oh. went to Jorah Mormont from Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones yep. whose nickname, as I recall, was the Bear. That is hilarious. Because his family seal, the Mormont family seal, were bears. So that is hilarious. Yeah, went Jormont Jorah Mormont, the bear, therefore he is. It's like, <laughs> sort of like Jeff Samarge's nickname was Loose Lips. The reason Jeff Samarge's uh, nickname was Loose Lips because his other nickname was the shark, mm-hmm. and uh, sharks sink ships just like Loose Lips. Therefore, <laughs> Jeff Samarge's nickname was Loose Lips. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's a, I love it. I love it. There's like a whole math equation that you have to do to understand oh, half the nickname. And now Nick's doing with every um, profi- uh, player profile, he's mm-hmm. doing a nickname for every single pitcher on every single oh my every goodness. single starter on every team. And it's it's I I admire that he is able to do that because that's that's a lot of work. That's but dedication. Anyway, Back to Jordan Montgomery. I like him a lot. He's got a fantastic curveball. Uh, back in 2017, it had a almost 20% swinging strike rate, a 45.3% uh, chase rate. Kept up with it in 2018. 2019, it was still good. It's a really good swing and miss pitch. His He throws a sinker. That's fine. It's it's solid. His four-seamer is fine. But he really, really makes his money on that curveball and has a pretty solid changeup, too. So he's got a good pitch mix. I would love it if he gets some consistent starts, much more than I would prefer to see uh, Loisaga. I don't I'm mind Loisaga, but I I really like Montgomery. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I'd rather have Montgomery as well. Uh, let's get to a couple listener questions, and then we will do some baseball movie talk real quick before we wrap it up. Um, Sounds good. Forever Majors on Twitter. Do you think Verdugo has all-star potential given he's – if he's given 700 at bats instead of 343 like last year? Uh, 
all-star potential is so hard to judge because yeah. the all-star game is so finicky. Um, I mean, you know, is a guy who hits 295 with, you know, 22 home runs and five steals and a good amount of runs and RBI an all-star? Yeah, I probably. You know, the Red Sox, it doesn't seem like they're going to be particularly good. I would imagine J.D. Martinez ends up beating out Verdugo for an all-star game. You think so? Unless Verdugo goes absolutely wild. So, you know, all-star potential, sure. I think he's a good hitter. I think he's definitely a very good hitter. Could he be an all-star in the future? Absolutely. I think he could be. Is he an all-star this year? I don't think so, but I think he's a solid hitter. Yeah, and he's going to be much more improved for fantasy going to the Red Sox. So a lot to oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. to like in that respect as well. Uh, J-Dub, J-Dub the Gamer, thoughts on Gratterall's value of the new team? We kind of talked about it. Dynasty only for now until we kind of see how they play it out. Did you have any other thoughts on that? Um, No, I think we pretty much covered it. Gratterall is, in my opinion, he's a reliever. I think he's going to be a very, very good reliever. Like a, I think he could easily be a top-level closer. Uh, unless something happens, the thing with, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the reasoning behind tin stop, you know, the, there is no such thing as a pitching prospect because things change so quickly, uh, and so easily with pitchers. They just learn one new pitch and all of a sudden everything clicks that could easily happen with greater all. If he figures out a change up or, you know, something like a curveball, something like that, a third pitch, and all of a sudden it's really good. He's a starter. He could be a starter if he's, especially if he's got the endurance to do it and a team willing to do it. So yeah, that's possible as of right now with the repertoire he's got. He looks like a closer to me and probably a really good one. Uh, Marshall Marshall Witzberger asks, he needs keeper help. Pick four in a ten team five by five. Trout he loses a first round pick. Soto loses a fourth. Clevenger eight. Cruz nine. Montesi thirteen. Here at twenty five. Bichette. 25 who would your four be i'll give my four after i think hira and bichette are obvious yep uh at 25 that's amazing so yeah 100 percent taking them personally i'm i'm taking trout he's the best best player in baseball you lose the first great you get the best player you could possibly get in the first round i do not mind losing a first round for him um that's three the fourth one hmm I yeah, Soto's at about asking price. I do love Cruz ninth round. I'm kind of leaning there a little. I might go Clevenger just to grab a a hitter or I mean a pitcher. I've got you know I've got three hitters that I'm keeping. Might not be a bad idea to grab a pitcher to make sure I've got like a a decent anchor. And I think eighth round for Clev is is good. I think that's solid. Yep. So, yeah, I think that's probably what I would go with. I'm wondering, where's Clevenger going right now? Oh, yeah. Clevenger's going, going second or third Jeez, round. He's yeah, going that's a third steal. Round. Yeah. Pff, yeah. yeah. Not, <laughs> for yep. some reason, I was thinking he's going later. Yeah. Now he's going early, I mean. early. Yeah. For me, it's, for me, Bichette here, like you said, desert, no-brainers. Trout, yes, you take Trout. He's the best player in baseball outside of – you can have your arguments if you want, but he's one of the best players in baseball. And then Clev Dog, get a, get a starting pitcher out of the three with near-ace potential. Yeah. I'm with that all day long. Yeah, Cruz is going at the in the eighth round. So yeah, that you can probably just get him in the eighth round. Yeah. Um yeah. The thing with my thing with Trout, one of the things I've always said is every year it's oh, is it Jose Altuve or Trout? Is he number one? 
Or, <laughs> oh, is it Acuna or is it Trout? Is he number one? Oh, is it Yelich or is it Trout? He's number one. What's the one consistent? It's Trout. Trout. <laughs> it's Trout. Every time. There's always somebody maybe who, oh, maybe he's taking Trout as the number one. No, it's just Trout. It's Trout. Yep. You want to take Acuna over Trout this year? Fine. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not going to like yell at you, uh, but I, I'm just always taking Trout. He's just so good. He is one of the greatest players in the history of baseball. So I'm yeah, always drafting no, him first overall. There's no hiding that at all. Um, let's say real quick, you have a baseball movies article coming out on PitcherList. Cause that's I what's so sure fun about PitcherList. It's not just the fantasy. It's a little bit of everything. So real quick, let us know kind of what your article is about. So, about a year or so ago, I decided I wanted to do an article on the best baseball movies of all time because I am a huge movie buff. I love I love movies a lot, and I watch a ton of movies. So I was like, well, you know, I love baseball. I love movies. Let me do a baseball movie list. So to do that, I had to watch a whole bunch of baseball movies, <laughs> and I've watched a whole bunch of baseball movies. I didn't watch some of the ones. Um, oh, geez, probably at least 25, maybe 30. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. There's not movies. that many good ones. Yeah. No, no, there definitely aren't. Um, yeah. There's a, <laughs> I did not watch things like Airbud's seventh inning fetch. I decided to skip that. That's fair. You could probably count that as one of the bad ones. Yeah, I'd let you count that one. <laughs> but um, so it was going to be a top 10, and then it kind of morphed into a top 15. So I now have, and it'll hopefully be coming out within the week, uh, my top 15 best baseball movies of all time. Uh, it's uh, And three entries on movies that baseball movies that I do not like at all. Okay, uh, what are the three you do not like at all? It's a tough one. With okay, what are- okay, so the three I don't like. The first one, everyone's going to hate me for it, and I know it's okay. It's kind of become a joke at Pitchless that I don't like it, but it's a Sandlot. Whoa! I do not like the same. Here's my belief. Here, I know, I know, and I just I'm gonna get so many angry comments. <laughs> but here's here here's what I think. I think if you like the Sandlot, that's great. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I think the Sandlot is affected by '90s nostalgia. I think a lot of people. How old were you when you first saw the Sandlot? Oh man, probably. Sh- eight or nine something like that exactly exactly mm-hmm. so the people i have found the people who love the sandlot often were kids when they first saw it and it's a movie okay. it's a movie that appeals to kids if there's yeah. one thing that sand the sandlot has it is very genuine it has a lot of heart it, it wasn't it wasn't made by somebody who saw the goonies and was like how about that but baseball instead <laughs> of treasure hunting it, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't a movie made to just you know get tickets from kids. It was. I truly believe that uh, David Mickey Evans, who uh, wrote and directed it, honestly just loves baseball and he put a lot of heart in the movie. But it's just. It's not that good of a movie. I first saw it when I was eighteen, and I was like, "What is this? Like, why does everyone <laughs> love this so much?" And oh, I think the great. problem is we we view it through the rose colored glasses of nineties nostalgia. Like, I love that movie when I was a kid. And there is nothing wrong with having a. That's deep a fair argument. Connection. That's a very there's, fair argument. There's nothing wrong, in my opinion, with having a deep personal connection with a film. I, that's that's what that's the beautiful thing about movies. There are yep, definitely 100%. bad movies out there. I love, but then when it gets named by Bleacher Report as the second greatest sports movie of all time. Wait, sports by, movie, not just baseball movie. Oh no, no, no. it was named by, by Bleacher Report, the second best sports movie of all time, behind only Raging Bull. That's a little much. 
Exactly. Then I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> let's let's reel it in. MLB released like their list of the top ten greatest baseball movies of all time, and Sandlot was like number one or number two. I'm like, whoa, okay, okay. Over Field of Dreams, like, okay, slow your roll a little bit. And <laughs> and that's where people are like, ride or die, that's Sandlot funny. fan. I'm like, whoa, okay. It's it's a it's a nice kids movie, but it's just it's not the greatest movie ever. Also, minor problem with it. It takes place in California in 1962, and we're going to pretend like these kids are obsessed with Babe Ruth. Like a year after, a <laughs> year so after true. Roger Maris broke Babe Ruth's record, and not that long after the Dodgers are in LA and they're all obsessed with Babe Ruth. I don't know. That's a good point. Anyways, point. So the Sandlot, the other one, the other two I didn't like. Pride of the Yankees is considered yeah, not a, a good movie. Classic. It is not, not a good movie. movie. Thank no. you. Nothing no. happens. Nope. There is so little conflict. Like Lou Gehrig, and I think part of this is because the movie was made a year after Lou Gehrig died, so they couldn't they couldn't make Lou Gehrig look like anything other than like the second coming of Christ himself, and they did. I mean, they made <laughs> nothing bad happens to Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig does nothing wrong. He is the most red blooded American boy who loves his mom and works hard and plays baseball. The only conflict for like 90 minutes is that he might upset his mom over not liking her wallpaper choice. Like that's it. Everything else is just, he's succeeding over and over and he's so amazing. And then he gets ALS and the last part of the movie is actually pretty emotional. And and I think, you know, Gary Cooper does a good job. It's weird that Gary Cooper's like 40 and playing Lou Gehrig college pledge. Uh, but <laughs> it's it's it, it just there's a good story yep. in there. A, a guy who plays 2,130 consecutive games, who's, who goes to work every day and loves baseball only to have it taken away from him by this this disease. There's a good movie in there. There's a good struggle in there and they just don't do it. It almost feels yeah. like it's the baseball version of Brian's song. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just, it could have been so much better, and it just kind of wasn't. But the movie yep. I hate the most, this one I really hate, Pride of the Yankees, Sandlot, there's some redeeming qualities. There is no redeeming qualities to Trouble with the Curve. <laughs> I, I hate Trouble with the Curve so, so much. I, I haven't even so made much. it through it full time yet. It's so bad because, like, I I don't I have long tried to figure out what's worse: mediocre movies that don't try, or terrible movies that try really hard. And I really think it's the mediocre ones that don't try, yeah. because Trouble with the Curve just does not try. There is a scene in this movie, and and it bothers me so much. There is a scene in this film. Amy Adams is the daughter of Clint Eastwood, who is god of all scouts, who hates analytics because he's got two eyes, and I can see a pitcher when I know a pitcher's good, and. And the the villain of the movie is Matthew Lillard, who dares mention that analytics might be useful in scouting a pitcher. The the nerve. There's a scene. Amy Adams is in a coffee shop. She's having something to eat, and she overhears someone mention someone's throwing a no-hitter. She grabs a waiter. Did you say someone threw a no-hitter? Who was it? And the guy says, it was Jair Jurgens. And she oh says, Jair Jurgens? That's not possible. He's a sinker ball pitcher who works on the corners. Now... <laughs> One, Jair Jurgens never threw a no hitter. Yep. I, I don't know why. <laughs> they just I don't think I don't think Jair Jurgens ever came close to throwing a no hitter. Actually he did throw a one hitter. He did throw okay. a one hitter. But I don't know why they were just like, you know what? Jair Jurgens. Out of all guys. You couldn't say like Pedro Martinez or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah. I mean 
anybody it just they were just like yeah Jair Jurgens is going to be the oh. guy who throws a no hitter we're just going to make it up and second of all he's a sinker ball pitcher who works on the corners that means nothing that yep. is a phrase with baseball jargon in it that means literally nothing he's a sinker ball pitcher who works on the corners who cares he can still throw a no hitter that doesn't preclude him from throwing a no hitter it's just it was the and then the the thing with this movie is the main thing is that they're going after this top this top prospect Matthew Lillard's character loves this guy and Matthew Lillard's character keeps saying he's a five tool player this guy I want to draft he's a five tool player a five we see pitcher, this guy huh? well he's 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 a hitter he's a five tool oh, hitter okay. he's a five tool hitter he keeps saying we see we finally see the guy in action he's about three hundred and fifty pounds so I'm going to take a wild guess and say he doesn't steal bases. Yeah, there goes one we tool. Never, <laughs> we never see him field at all. And the only thing he does is he hits home runs. That's it. That's all he does oh, is hit man. home runs. But he's he's being marketed as this five-tool player. And then the whole – and sorry, spoilers, but I really don't care. The whole reason it's called Trouble with the Curve is that this guy can't hit a curveball. This top prospect cannot hit a curveball So he's a prospect Pedro, he's a prospect Pedro Serrano? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's Pedro Serrano. <laughs> and and what is amazing to me is like you're telling me that this guy has been is considered the top prospect in all of baseball and nobody knew that he is unable to hit a curveball at all. That's amazing. I mean, it wasn't until and it's un, not until his final game that someone finally throws him one. Like it just it's uh, so bad. It's just so bad. And they're just lucky that Amy Adams and Justin Timberlake and the others in it just put in the work and were act- and actually did a good job. I mean, Justin Timberlake oozes more charisma out of his pinky than I do in my entire being. So, <laughs> but it's just it's such a bad movie and it just offended me so much it. as a baseball fan. I love your passion for this. It's amazing. <laughs> just, I I hated it so much. But in case you're wondering what my favorite baseball movie, yeah, I just want your number one. I, I want everyone to read cool. your article, so I don't want to give them all away. But what's your number one? <laughs> Number one is Durham. Boulder, okay. Because see, for me, like for me, it's really tough to distinguish because there's some baseball movies I just absolutely love. So, what is it that made Boulder number one for you? The thing, Bull Durham is really, really well written. Uh, It's really funny. There's a scene that I one day I want to ask a real major league pitcher if this happens. There's a scene where they're all they have a mound meeting and they're all having like the dumbest, most, most inane conversation about, the, about babe, the, the wedding gifts. Right, like right. what are we going to buy for a wedding? Gift? We don't candle know. Candlesticks. They love candlesticks. Right, exactly. And I'm like, I want to, I want to ask an MLB pitcher on, be like, what's the dumbest conversation you've ever had on the mound? Because they have to have had a stupid conversation. Oh, easily, mound. easily. But it's really funny. But it's also all the characters are really complex. Mm-hmm. Kevin Costner's character is this cynical. You know, I'm too old for this minor leaguer and he's presented as this guy who like has everything all together because he's super smart but you later realize he's just so full of bitterness and resentfulness that he just buries deep inside tim robbins's character is this guy who's who's actually based off of a guy i mentioned earlier steve dalkowski uh who is a former oriole uh prospect in the 60s i don't know if you ever heard of him um yeah, Dalco uh, supposedly, by anecdotes, could throw the ball harder than anybody ever, but he also walked everybody ever. Um, <laughs> but his character, like Tim Robbins's character, kind of learns how to how to be a good player and a good teammate. And Susan Sarandon's character 
is incredibly insecure. She did everything she does is just this show for everybody to show how smart she is, how thoughtful she is. When in reality, she's just empty and looking for something to fill this hole in her inside of her that is just that's looking for belonging and love. And and it's just these really well written characters in this whole movie that is about baseball, but it's also about self-awareness and, and understanding who you are as a person. And it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. I love it. Yep. I've seen it a few, a handful of times and it's just wonderful. What do you, what do you think when people say it's a love story, not a baseball movie? Eh, it's, I mean, it's, I'm in the camp that it's movie. a baseball movie. I'm in the camp. It's definitely baseball. a baseball movie. No, no, the the movie that's a love story, not a baseball movie, is for Field the love dreams. of the game. Well, that well, yeah, love of the game. That's it's in the title. Um, yeah, for the Cos- love of the Cosner game. Lo- Cos- Cosner loves to toe that line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he does a good job of it. I mean, for, yeah. for the love of the game, he, you know, I wish there was more baseball. Every time there's a baseball part, I'm like, oh man, this is so much fun. And Vince Scully's the commentator. I'm like, Vince yeah, Scully's so good. Yep. It's so great. It's so great. And then the love story is this kind of cookie cutter, boring love story. And yeah. and it's like two and a half hours long. It just, it needed an editor. Hey, so in, in the world where we're trying to speed up the game, that's a pretty good, perfect game. Two and a half hours. So <laughs> know, let's look I at never. the big picture here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, but yeah, but Bull Durham, there's definitely romance in it. And, and that's, what's beautiful about it. It's like no baseball movie has to be exclusively about baseball and no, and no base no good baseball movie is moneyball isn't exclusively about baseball true a league of their own isn't major yeah. league none of these are exclusively about baseball that's true they're about human beings who play baseball and that's what makes a movie so interesting is when you have these complex well-written characters that's the beauty of major league every single character is distinct and unique and you you know them and you like them they have personalities you can name willie mays hayes like you said earlier pedro serrano you know the wild thing you know these guys and and they're well-written characters i think you can guess my number one movie is is it major league yeah because i can recite like everything in that movie i I, absolutely die for that movie i love major league too uh okay it wasn't great. It was it's very disappointing. Really <laughs> it was better than Major League Three. Let's put it that way. I have not, so I did not. I Major specifically... League Three back to the minors with uh, <laughs> Scott Bakula as the AAA yep. manager. Like, oh man, so, the Salt Lake D's or whatever they are. It's unbelievable. I was going to see it. I was going to. I had Major League Three on my list, and then I saw Major League Two, and I was like, oh god, if Major League Three is worse. <laughs> it's almost like its own that. movie it's like they just use the name from the first two but it's almost like a completely different movie well it's... the thing major league two is just major league all over again even introduced yeah. the same villain and the only difference is omar epps is doing a wesley snipes impression yeah he's doing wesley snipes impression and yeah. charlie sheen tries to be like a normal human being which never works for a while and they have a super racist asian character yeah that was a, a so... wild one well okay well so that's racist. okay well, we're gonna have to do another podcast sometime because um, right, exactly. I, I've I've had this conversation with a lot of people lately. All the TV shows and movies we used to watch, and a lot of them that we like, can never be made these days. Ever? Oh my god, some of them, like, yeah, for sure. I listened to Robert Downey Jr. on the Joe Rogan show, and uh, he talked about doing blackface in um, uh, gosh, I'm blanking. Tropic all of a Thunder. Tropic Thunder, and he said when he read it, he was nervous about it, but then the way they did it, he was happy how they did it. And he says, I would love to make more stuff like that because it, it brings up good conversation. It's not like yeah. a negative thing. And that's what he was proud of it for. 
but he says yeah. he's already been told no so many times because it won't work. He said, but the bright side is, is he didn't get in trouble for the movie. Ben Stiller for doing the character that went full R was the one that got in trouble. So <laughs> yeah, he, no, he I, I agree. Well, the thing I think with Tropic Thunder is that it's it's very self aware, so it knows that what it's doing is wrong. Exactly. Yeah, like they, it, they, it fully they made a point. Yeah, it fully acknowledges this guy is crazy. He's an yep. idiot. He's doing blackface, and he's wrong. It never yep. pretends for a second that it's okay. And that I think is what makes it exactly okay to watch. Hundred percent. Well, then, like we could continue this rabbit hole for the next three hours. Sure, but we should forever. probably stop because uh, <laughs> I love movies. I love TV. Um, I keep finding new stuff. And I, I, tech entertainment is great. And that's what it's supposed to be for is entertainment. Absolutely. And the, and the fact that we can just talk. We talked about what three movies basically. And we got yeah. all these memories and excitement <laughs> about it. So exactly. we might have to do some more fun with that. I'll wait till your piece comes out. Maybe we'll just have a Bench with Bubba episode where we talk movies or something. That but, would be um, fantastic. I would love that. I think that'd be a blast. <laughs> so, um, but for now, let's wrap up this one. Remind everybody where they can find you, what you've got going on. I know you guys had a big, big Wednesday at Pitcher List. Yes. Yeah, it was a big day. It was launch day. We launched Pitcher List 5.0 with our whole brand new site design, which looks fantastic. Uh, we had a whole bunch of articles. One of my articles was part of the launch. I'm in the middle of doing my pitch review series, which looks at the five best of each pitch type from last year. I've already done the five best sliders that came out today. Then the five best changeups and the five best curveballs. I'll be doing cutters, splitters, fastballs, and I think that might be it, unless I'm forgetting something. Um, so yeah, uh, that'll be coming up in the future. Best movies article is done. It's, uh, like I said, it's like 6,500 words. So I hope you enjoy it. It'll be out probably within the week. I'm hoping. Um, and yeah, other than that, we're going to have rankings coming out soon. Hitter rankings. I just finished my top 300 overall today. It was a bear. Uh, and we're going to have our staff consensus rankings coming out soon. We're going to be having a round table where we're going to be doing, our site rankings for each position soon. So lots and lots and lots of stuff. I'll be doing the outfielder articles in a few weeks, the top 80 outfielders. Oh man. So yeah, busy, and busy. plenty of mock drafts. I'm sure we're going to be doing mock draft yep. after mock draft after mock draft. So <laughs> yeah, plenty of busyness, but Ben puts out great work. Pitcherlist.com puts out amazing work. Always love Thank having the guys on the show. Um, and go check out Ben on Twitter at Ben J Palmer. He's a great follow, and as you can tell, it's not all baseball. The dude, he loves football, too. He's a big Ravens fan. We talked about that last time. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Um, he, yeah, and he's got a good future there with Lamar and company. And then um, this this movie, this movie talk is new, so I'm I'm really excited right now. So we are going to oh, do this yeah, movie tonight. and, oh, and music. We'll have to have a – I don't know how big of a music listener you are. but I'm not as big. Like, I, I like a lot of music, but my knowledge of music isn't great. Like I can talk movies and, and, and like TV shows a lot. But uh, music, I, I I can go, oh, yeah, I know that song, but I can't go much farther than that. Music so. was before baseball, before movies. That was that was my first love. So I've, uh, I'm have awesome. i I'm way deep into that, too. So, <laughs> Well, because you're, you're cultured. You're cultured, Ben, and that's what exactly. allows you to be I'm a, a pitcherless dog. I am a well-rounded individual, which, makes, <laughs> which is perfect for fantasy writers. That's what you It's perfect. <laughs> it gives you such a great personality. Exactly. But, um, <laughs> again, everybody, go check out Ben on Twitter. Go check out pitcherless.com. This has been a very, very fun episode. But until next time, Bench with Bubba, episode 242, recapping the blockbuster madness. Catch you all later.